Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Fire at Will podcast. My name is Heath Kruger. You can find me on Twitter at Karthak. And my, co- my co-host, the one that you're really looking for, it's none other than, none other than caster <laughs> extraordinaire, BreakyCPK, who you can find on Twitter at BreakyCPK. How's everything going tonight, man? It's going good, man. Come on. You gotta, you gotta sell yourself better, though, man. I, th- I think there's gotta be people tuning in for, for, for you as well. So it's not all about me here. So we're, we're a team here. We're a team here on the show. We're a team, yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. We're, we're a team. I can, right. uh, maybe leech a little bit off those Twitter followers. <laughs> people oh, are unknown. On. I'm trying to take the humble approach. I'm trying to take okay. the humble approach, okay? Okay. You know, low, fair enough, fair enough. Very low beginnings. It's nothing no. but up from here for me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here, though, really. It's, you know, obviously we'll get into it here, but there was some big news earlier today, so really excited to talk about that. Uh, we got some fun discussions about another tier list that we're talking about, I believe, the, the damage focus, the offense, DPS, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. going to go over that, and uh, a couple other things here. So, yeah, sh- it should be a good show here today. Episode two, man, we made it. We made we it made to episode it. two. We made it two weeks. Yeah. It's a, big, <laughs> it's a big accomplishment for a lot of Overwatch podcasts. Let's not sell ourselves short. It is. That's, yeah, for a new game in general... That first show, if, if you can make it over that that first show hump, then I think uh, you might have something going. So, well, we'll see. We're having fun with this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So, like you mentioned, uh, just a couple hours ago, big announcement of the day. Overwatch beta, closed beta, is finally coming back. February 9th, it'll be open <coughs> again. Blizzard has a whole bunch of new stuff in store for us. They announced a new progression system, two mm-hmm. new maps, a new game mode, like we discussed on the last podcast, so maybe maybe we're right on that one. We'll check that out. Several hero balance updates, which should be good. An update to private games. You can actually now make your own private game against uh, AI players. That would be great for people just kind of you know starting to get into the game. Um, and, and then on top of that, they're opening up another closed beta region. Uh, the following week, on the February 16th, it'll be open to the Asian regions for their own beta. So exciting stuff, man. It really is, and you know it's kind of funny as you mentioned though those those big things right there. Honestly, the whole the whole private game update, including full AI matches, again for for you and I, you know maybe that's not as necessary. But I really want to emphasize how that actually is very important for the for the the health of the game as a whole. Because yes, maybe it's not make that, that's not the biggest deal for the competitive aspect, but for the overall health of the game to get in these players that may eventually become competitors or watchers, spectators of said competitive scene. It's a great way to do it, you know, being allowed. In fact, my wife, uh, she was asking that when she first, when I was kind of showing her the game, and she's really looking forward to it, too. But she kind of was intimidated almost, you know, jumping right into it against all these players that have a lot more experience than her. So the idea of including now a full AI match, and it would be a lot better practice for these for these newcomer players to, to get a little better developed. So just a quick touch on that. But I am excited, actually, that that's coming out, even though it might not affect me personally. So... Yeah, yeah, more Overwatch for everyone, I say. Yeah. It can't come soon enough. The game is incredibly fun. If if you're one of the unlucky individuals who have yet to play beta or if you didn't get to go to BlizzCon, I, I apologize. Um, but hopefully, you know, you can play it here pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, moving on from that, uh, number two, uh, SK Gaming recently uh, stated they're getting into competitive Overwatch, acquiring a team. Known formally as Team Valfard is how I believe you pronounce it. Uh, players include Zave, Mendacusi, Clever, Hysterica, <laughs> Nevix, and currently searching for a sixth. So, All right. doing a little research on the group, I can't find much. <laughs> I saw that some have some previous competitive backgrounds in Counter-Strike, Natural Selection 2. Uh, their most notable finish was in the Two Good Invitational, where they placed 5th and 6th. 5th slash 6th, excuse me. Um, okay. But more importantly, it's just pretty cool seeing a notable organization like SK getting involved in competitive Overwatch. SK Gaming is, in my mind, as being a long watcher of esports, is really one of the staple gaming organizations. They aren't necessarily as big as they were back in the early Counter-Strike days and whatnot, but they are still very relevant, in my opinion. And they, they very likely will make a strong comeback, you know, as time moves on. Will this be part of that? You know, possibly. Um, I almost want to take a different path, though, as we're talking about some announcements here of, of competitive teams coming into it. I'm really curious. Now, I understand from the organization point of view, like, so SK Gaming, uh, Team NBS, which we'll get into in a second, the, these organizations picking up teams when the game 
isn't even out yet, obviously, right now at least, as it hasn't been active for the last month and a half, but it's still very, very fresh. It's in, you know, very early closed beta stage still. Um, but, you know, with Blizzard back and everything, it, it's bound to have that esports aspect, that competitive aspect. So I, that's not surprising to me. What is a little more surprising to me is the player's perspective. Now, so I say that because, again, being around a long time, I've been able to, you know, really witness as far as teams picking up players and kind of deals and everything. And unless unless I'm missing something, I don't know specifics of a lot of these deals, but unless they're getting, you know, salaries and decent salaries... I personally don't see a huge reason why these players are kind of closing off other possible opportunities, you know, down the line. You know, maybe why not prove yourself first and then all of a sudden let the offers start flowing in rather than just quickly signing with a team so I can maybe get some free swag here on the side, maybe a mouse pad or whatever. But, you know, well, what does that do for them, I guess, is ultimately what I'm getting at. Why are they restricting themselves right now to, to a specific organization? I mean, I, I don't know how you see it, but... Um, I, I'm in complete agreement. There was actually something not too long ago, which um, Team Temple Storm, if you've heard of them, they were big in oh, yeah. Hearthstone. Um, I think I believe they ventured into other games as well. They were trying to acquire a team, and at least from a business point of view, um, from the team standpoint, I guess if you're able to get in early, maybe you'll be able to purchase a team on the cheap, kind of, kind of, kind of thinking, and be able to roll that if, if you know if you get a one or two year deal. Um, you know, get a whole lot of value for a very cheap investment. Maybe that's their thinking, but I'm in complete agreement with you from the player's perspective. The only thing they really stand to gain is notoriety, unless the contract is really um, taking a big risk on them coming out and being that, continuing that um, really strong performance that they, that they may put out uh, early on in the beta. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, it's and I was I was almost I was attempting at least to have a conversation with others in some Discord chats that I'm in, and, and unfortunately wasn't really able to go much with it. So, yeah. but it, that, that that is kind of a curious spot for me because, and again, I I don't know the specifics, but exactly, it sounds like both of you are definitely in agreement. It's like it's like why right now? But at the same time, I mean, I get you know I'm sure several of these players are a little bit younger, and the idea that an organization you know wants you to help represent them, I mean, that's a cool thing, right? Like that's that's got to feel good knowing that's that, that they want you but you know i think just looking out for the players that you got to be a little careful sometimes again don't restrict yourselves is is the biggest thing for me when it comes to uh these teams here but yes yeah I, sk gaming though i'm excited to see you know what these guys do again looking for a six still so that's also interesting yeah and there's actually another team acquisition probably a more much more notable team acquisition um just recently i think in the past couple of days um, I've never known how to pronounce it. Is it Team Envious? I have always called it Envious, yes. Envious. Uh, team Envious landed the most successful competitive Overwatch team thus far in the beta, formerly known as Team Hubris. Um, if you, Not too many followers of the competitive Overwatch scene thus far, but if you happen to be, um, this is a team that's just been far and away the, the number one team um, out there currently. They have uh, their, their their lineup right now is Stoop at the tank position, uh, Roz at the flex off tank position, Esper and Minstrel as the two support players, and Tailspin and Coolmat69 as the primary fraggers. They've won six out of the seven competitive tournaments they've placed. They are uh, entered, excuse me, and then actually won second in the uh, the only one they played. That was the Fish Sticks Invitational. They did get three first places and uh, three Gosu Gamers Weekly Tournaments, the King of the Watch, and the ESL Atlantic Invitational. Definitely one of those, you know, top teams at the moment. Um, but yeah, like, kind of like, kind of like we were alluding to earlier, we're wondering why this team signed. Maybe, you know, maybe Envious, you know, went out and made a nice deal to them and really sees potential in these guys. Yeah, I mean. It- Again, from the organization perspective, I with there has been only a few tournaments, but with a lot of the streaming going on, it's they, they've been able to get a good idea of you know who these quote unquote good teams are right now at least. So, and you know, Tailspin's a name that sounds very familiar, and I'm actually I'm, I'm honestly blanking right now on like I want to say I either watched his stream or he's made some videos even possibly, but all I remember from this player name is that. He's really freaking good. I remember watching a video of his, and I think I think I might have been playing been playing Tracer to be honest. 
And he was just going off, man. I mean, this guy's getting crazy amount of streak skills as far as uh, on that tracer and just impressive player to watch. So uh, that's a name that definitely rings a bell to me. Uh, as far as the the others, I mean, definitely, you know, kind of recognize them. But again, haven't been able to really get an idea of the competitive scene just yet, just like a lot of people out there right now. So, um, yeah, but good for them. NVS is no doubt a solid organization as well, you know, popular Counter-Strike, especially right now, I know. So similar with that uh, first-person shooter genre. So, yeah, Kenny S. See how they do. The holders of Kenny S., one of my favorite Counter-Strike players. There you go, yeah. Big fan. Um, yeah, I'd say it, it's pretty tough to really kind of get your name out there as a tank or support at the moment. But I, I will say I have seen some some nice plays, a nice video by CoolMat69, big McCree player. Pretty impressive guy. Okay. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so that, that'll cover the recent news. Let's get into the primary topic of the show the competitive tier list of the DPS classes in Overwatch. This is a continuation of last week's pod where we covered the tank and the support classes. So if you'd like to hear our thoughts on those class types, be sure to check that one out and kind of listen to them both. It's perfect. Just to reiterate as sort of a disclaimer, you know, these are just our opinions on the classes. They're in no way indicative of how everyone may feel. There's, you know, bound to be disagreements. So don't take this too seriously. We're going to do our best to argue in favor of our tier list being correct, of course, but the game's still very early in its development, and there may be strategies come along to shake up the competitive meta, and not to mention big class changes well, coming next week. Yeah, th- that's what I was going to say, actually. it's This is kind of interesting that we're doing this now when, <laughs> like yeah. you just pointed out, next week, a, a big patch I, ideally is going to happen from the new game mode to uh, some balance changes, and so I don't know if it's going to be drastic balance changes by any means, but it's probably going to definitely shift some stuff. So this is as of February 3rd, yes. is safe to say. Yes, February 3rd, you know, from the end of the beta up until now. So, I don't know, maybe we'll get at least a, a few lessons out of this. Maybe it'll still be relevant, but who <laughs> knows. Anyway, back onto the topic. So, my number one DPS in the competitive meta right now... Um, Receive receives slight nurse lately, but it's still not enough to remove her from the top spot. It's Farah. Um, just to quickly cover the nerfs, she can no longer land critical hits. Uh, her concussive blast, as of not too long, a little bit long ago, um, no longer removes shield HP, no longer damages shield. So it's just a simple knockback effect now. Um, it, even with the nerfs, though, it's it really hasn't removed the core components as to why she is the the top tier DPS right now. And that's her mobility and her mid to long range damage. The combination of that jump jet and jetpack uh, jet ability allow her to operate just on a completely different axis than no other hero can. She can float in the air, take a lot of angles that are far more opportune than any other class can utilize, and it forces your opponents to account for those angles as well, you know, having to kind of face two fronts, look up and look straight in front of them as well. Um, then we get to her rocket launcher. You know, her rockets do 80 splash. 40 additional damage if you land a direct hit at a at a fire rate of 0.6 seconds. So if you do the math, it's roughly 200 damage per second um, possible. Her damage doesn't suffer from damage fall off, which we'll go over in a little bit. So she's roughly on the same level of Hanzo and Widowmaker's DPS from long range with an additional splash mechanic on top of that. So the only thing you have to account for is missile speed, which isn't really that big of a factor when you kind of begin to play her and you really get the hang of things. It, she's not as accurate, but still, it, it's not as bad as you would think. Um, and when it comes to the Rocket Barrage ability, I think it sounds a lot better in theory than in practice. I, I don't know if you have a different opinion on that, uh, Nick, but you know she can put out that, that big damage in a small area, but you know having that ult channeling and you just kind of standing up in the air, I almost every time I pop it and out in the open just get obliterated. It's one of those that you need... Well, it's one of those where at the at the lower levels of play, it could be very effective. But yes, in the, in the top tier, you basically need that you know the uh, the big wombo combo potential, the abilities, the, the black hole to kind of pull everyone in, uh, and then being able to go on top of it. But without that, and without the, that top tier communication, yeah, it's probably not going to be as strong as it's made out to be. But um, yeah, no, it's not, I mean, I definitely agree with you there uh, as far as that ultimate goes yeah. of the barrage, but. Really makes a, a nice couple with like CC abilities. You know, Zarya's Graviton Surge, yeah. Ryan, Reinhardt's Earth Shattered's perfect. It works so well with that, but that's really not the main draw. The main draw is just her mobility and her mid to long range damage is just, it's hard to really, you know, pass it up right now. So I'd say offense and defense, Farah's probably a staple on every um, 
most competitive format, should I say. Yeah, and, you know, so, again, we had the discussion last week as far as a couple other tiers here, but uh, Mercy, if we were to do overall, like, who's the most impactful heroes in the game right now, like, Mercy, I think you could argue, is one of the best, if not the best, as far as just overall impact of the game. It's a... And then who is she happen to be, you know, best paired with in a lot of ways is Farah. Uh, and I think that combination itself is what really kind of really helps Farah on top of that, you know, enhancing her damage from the rockets, the mobility that she has with that rocket or the uh, the jump jet, and then allowing Mercy to fly with her even. It is just such a very, very strong combination of the two that really makes it's like it's like a core in a lot of ways. Um, but, yeah, that, that I think is what really helps Farah. But even by herself, yeah, she is just a strong. And she actually, she reminds me, and I think this isn't a stretch by any means, of, of Soldier from Team Fortress. That's, oh, yeah. you know, essentially what she is with the rocket launch. That's what the Soldier was. He had mobility because of the rocket jumping and everything. Uh, they they kind of play that same role, that same idea. So, uh, and, and Soldier was, it's like it's like the core, obviously, in the Team Fortress days. So, yeah, Farrah, yeah, top tier, at the top. I think there really isn't a debate there, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> and, she, that, so. and she used to be even better. Just for those of you who don't yeah. have the beta, oh my goodness, when you came against a good Pharah player when she could land crits, who boy, <laughs> look out. Yeah. All right, let's well, they, they learned. They learned yes, quickly. Yes, yes. Uh, let's move on to the number two. Uh, why don't you start us off there, Nick? All right. Uh, number two, who are we looking at? Um, let's go. Okay, so... <laughs> Well, what did what did you so what did you have for number two? Well, so is this so we're talking about like my second then? Yes. Is, is that well, what we're getting? Okay. Well, maybe are we in agreement that Pharaoh was number one? Yeah, Pharaoh was number one. Okay. Yeah. So I, we I are think we're there. I think so, we're good at that. Um, my number two. Um, okay, well, I was number two. My number two is McCree. So, uh, second best DPS in the competitive scene for multi- multitude of reasons. He even got a pretty big nerf as his weapon now succumbs to damage fall off. For those of you unfamiliar with damage fall off, it's a sliding scale of damage depending on the distance between you and your target. Thus, the closer the target is to McCree, the more damage he will do with a shot, and at max range, he will do 50% of the normal damage of the shot. So the damage range for a single shot is anywhere between 35 and 70 damage with a .5 rate per second fire, so 70 to 140 DPS. Um, you know, also, do you mind if I go on a kind of a little bit of a... A game mechanic breakdown, Nick? Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> so, every class right now, they have a circle around their cursor. And I put in, I, I just wanted to say, I put in a ton of research with this. It, it's okay. it's kind of one of the ones that really intrigued me at first, because I didn't, I had no idea what it was. Um, every class has a circle around their crosshair. Some damage classes, such as Tracer, Reaper, Torbjorn, they have a big circle around their cursor dot, and adjusts, it adjusts based on the rate of fire. So the best explanation I found is that circle is indicative of a randomized area where your shot can land. So for example, if the circle around your cursor is bigger, the possibility of you missing your shot becomes higher and the percentage chance of landing a successful shot increases when the more space is taken up by an opponent's player model. So, you know, uh, heroes like uh, Tracer get up close, circle is filled, it's almost impossible to miss that shot. Um, but if you try to shoot from a distance with Tracer, it's, it, you're not going to do a lot of damage, and you're going to get a lot of misses as well. So, now how does this relate to McCree? At a range of 70 to 140 possible DPS, it puts him in that mid-range of other classes when it comes to long-range DPS, um, in terms of accuracy, single-shot damage. And then you get to his real strength, that those short, the short-range burst engagements... Um, couple that with his fla- flashbang ability, which stuns for opponents for half a second, um, and then you get to unload that, that six-shot um, revolver, can put up in a, a potential 445 damage in a one-second time frame. It's it's pretty much unmatched right now in terms of that you know that short-term DPS, real up close. Even if you're a tank class, um, you're gonna do some real damage to them. Even if they don't, if they don't have an ability to quickly disable you or get away, you can combat roll, throw another 420 damage in there. Um, the guy's just really, really deadly up close. And you get to that ultimate, which kind of feels like divas. You know, like we explained last week, it's it's. Not the greatest in terms of competitive play because it, you know, you walk out and you hear the high noon, and <laughs> it, it's it's a pretty easy indicator just you know to hide. But if you're using it as a way of kind of to make space 
clear everyone out of a certain point um, in which you're looking in line of sight, you can really kind of clear out the entire area. So mm-hmm. um, that offers a little bit of a map control ability. So overall, I think that's why I, I feel in competitive play, at least he in the hands of a skilled FPS player, he's downright deadly and he's my number two ranked DPS. God, okay, so I mean that's interesting because I honestly would not have I I, I disagree actually with my list first off, but oh, okay. I, I well and and I do that because a couple of reasons for for me um, one I, I like to I like to base this off both what I've been able to feel as a player both maybe playing a little bit but also playing against it but then also obviously watching a bit of streams and obviously again following as much as I have at least to an extent. I don't really recru- recall a lot of McCree being played. In fact, Siegel, one of the most popular streamers, he actually did play it a little bit, um, from what I could tell. And yes, there were times where it was it was impressive to to watch and and uh, the mobility. I do like the idea of the what, what's a little trick. You can actually shoot and then you barrel roll and then shoot again real quickly. Correct. Yeah. So you Is can that, fla- yeah. flashbang, empty out your six shot revolver which happens like in a second, and then you can combat roll and then refills your pistol right away, and you can shoot again. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a nifty little trick as well, but I, th- I think one of the more important things that you kind of stress there is, is the, the ultimate, actually, the, the high noon, the dead eye, I guess it's technically called, but everyone calls it high noon. Exactly. That's obviously what he says, the high noon there. Um, again, I, I like to really, for these tier lists, trying to keep in, in mind the, the top tier of play, Top-tier players are going to be able to react to this. Yes, it could be a space maker, but it just seems like that a realistic situation of this actually being very, very powerful, to me, I, I don't expect that to be the case. Um, and his mobility, although pretty good, you know, with the combat role, at the same time, it's not that great compared to some of these others. In fact, everyone but Soldier. I mean, Soldier and him are the kind of the, the, the one at the bottom of the list when he's speaking mobility. And, and when I'm thinking these these fraggers, when I'm thinking these aggressive DPS classes, I think mobility is a very, very big issue, a very big part of that. So that's why, you know, Pharaoh's definitely that top of the list, a lot of burst damage, a lot of that mobility. Uh, McCree doesn't necessarily have that other than that simple barrel roll. Uh, for me, that's why I had to go with second. I actually had to go with Reaper. Um, and a big part of that is because of that mobility that we're talking about. Uh, that shadow step, obviously, it's fantastic for setting up, getting those snipers killed. It, it could be somewhat of, of a niche pick in some ways, but at the same time, he is able to put out plenty, plenty of damage. The wraith form uh, allows him. That, that's one that makes him invulnerable, right? Yeah, it allows him to be invulnerable so he can get out of those tight situations after he does go in. He does plenty of damage from from the gun. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. But uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you have them. It's but. a range of 80 to 280, depending on distance. Okay, okay. So solid damage right there. And then Death Blossom, I, I think, is a fantastic ability as well. I mean, it's one of those, yeah, ideally, yes, in the top tier play, they could have ways to somewhat react to it. But at the same time, it could also be huge in, once again, these wombo combo situations. So for me, I had uh, Reaper on my, on my second tier. And, and honestly, McCree was a little bit further down even for me. <laughs> On top really? of that, so yeah. that's interesting. Okay, yeah, I guess I was kind of maybe I'm making a little bit more of the mid to long range DPS. Um, as I think, I don't know, I I, I like to McCree so much because he offers really an ability to deal with players in, in the short range, mid range, and long range. Uh, maybe not as as effective in the mid to long, but still enough to where he could um, provide counterfire and not make it just a complete wash. If if we were talking pre nerf McCree, where, where he was able to oh. actually long range very well too, then yeah, I think this would be an easy second at least. But that nerf it hurt him a lot. I was actually able to play with before and after the nerf, and like like several other players, and you could feel it, and it really took away a good amount of impact. He made him less of that sniping potential hero. Yeah, it really did. That he had so it really did. Um, well, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um. I you know I I would I wouldn't say I disagree all that much because Reaper is my personal number three. You know, with all the points you stated, the ability to you know get rid of debuffs, get rid of that orbit discord with Wraith form, mm-hmm. uh, the soul orb mechanic. It allows you to basically compl- you know operate almost completely independently from your team. Um, just going around collecting those health orbs. It's just about perfect. Um, the Death Blossom. It, I I kind of view it a lot like um, like Farrah's ultimate. It's you know it's great and it sounds like perfect if you can get behind everybody, but in, in a competitive sense, it's really hard to do that. 
Um, and it puts you just in complete, you know, harm's way of you start walking slower, you can't use any of your abilities, and they just turn and fire at you and kill you pretty quick, unless you're able to yeah. kill them first. <laughs> yeah. I was, again, as playing McCree, it, it is fun as hell to do with that high noon with, with the dead eye ability in the, in, the, in the matchmaking games. I mean, getting that off is very satisfying, no doubt. And all of a sudden getting like three or four kills even out of it. But um, he is, again, it, we're, like we're talking about like overall here. Now, there are instances where he is actually pretty good, specifically against a tracer on the opposite side. He is one of the best tracer dealing heroes in the game, which is, could be pretty important, too. So there is that going for him. Yeah. And even Reaper as well, if you're able to get that stun off before you can Wraith form. I mean, it's also a nice, mm-hmm. nice response, too. Okay. Um... Let's move on to our, I guess, so you have Reaper number two, McCree down the list. So actually, let's say, who's your number three? Uh, my number three, sticking with the mobility idea, I actually had Kenji uh, up there. And, you know, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before that we came on the podcast here, but both you and I in agreement, uh, hate this hero. Yes. <laughs> just to be flat out, hate this hero. I, I don't know what it is about it, really, but I, it's just not a hero that appeals to me personally. But at the same time, He's also really freaking annoying to play against, especially in good hands, because the mobility that he has with a wall jump and wall climbing even, and then when you think you have a chance, he's like, nope, deflect, bro, you can't handle this, <laughs> and all of a sudden all your bullets are flying back at you. So he's just one of these just all-around, well-rounded, very annoying heroes, a lot of potential to get in, get the quick kill, get back out, and then Dragon Blade. Now, this is one of those not Wombo Combo abilities. This is one of those... Very useful in all situations, in my opinion, where it, when he pops this, it, it's difficult to deal with, and he will ideally at least get a kill or two with it in most cases. So, yeah, Genji had to be my third because of that. Yeah. You know what I think is the most annoying part, and, I, and it's something I really didn't catch on. I, I, didn't, I didn't really catch on when I first started playing with him. Every time he gets a kill or assist, that switch strike, that dash ability that's typically on an 8-second cooldown, that resets. So if you were kind of wondering why, why a guy of... You would think he only has one dash mechanic. How is he all over the place, and how can I never find him as he's constantly bounding around me? Uh, if he gets an assist or a kill, he is you know right behind you again. So he can be all over the place, and like you said, just incredibly difficult to deal with. You, you want to fire at him, but you got to make sure he doesn't have his, his sword up, ready to deflect it right back at you, which... Uh, you know, you want to pro, you want to see some real comical plays. Watching McCree go out in high noon and thinks he has a perfect shot, and a Genji <laughs> aims at uh, high noon right back at him. One oh, shot yeah. kill. Oh yeah. It's real frustrating. Um, I have him a little bit down the tier list simply because I think uh, competitive players do a lot better job at dealing with him as a team. And the fact that he he does have the the, the two second not really immune but the two second reflect, um, they, I think they're much better at dealing with those types of mechanics. So while he is very good, I, I think I have guys just couple couple hero classes above him. I, if you have a Genji too, I think you also almost need a Zenyatta on top of that. Yeah. Uh, and I said because the orb on Genji is arguably the best hero to have an orb on, in my opinion, I would agree. Uh, because of that solo potential that he has compared to anyone else. So. Yeah, there is that to keep in mind as well. But yeah, and he's one of those with you know the, the really high mobility heroes that it's kind of hard to properly evaluate them just looking at their abilities because you know mobility in the right hands is downright lethal. I mean, it's, exactly, it can move them up and down tier rankings. Just I still so can't much. even figure out the wall climbing fully. <laughs> People make it look so easy. I swear, it's like yeah, yeah just press spacebar and over. It's not that easy, damn it. I. I refuse to believe that. Well, it almost kind of works like, um, I, I think it's if you walk to a second wall, it fall, it drops you off. So, like, if you try to walking up a wall and it's got a little, like, an edge at the top that's, like, a secondary, it'll drop you right back down. Okay. Yeah. It can be kind of annoying. Yeah, it can be annoying. I will say he has one of the coolest backstories that I'm looking forward to. Oh, the whole uh, brother aspect with Hunter. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool when because he was one of the heroes that was released at BlizzCon, and, yeah, the... All the when he says brother, it's just like oh, that's that's so cool. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Hanzo, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, that's gonna be cool to hear more of that. Yes, definitely. Okay, um, so just for a reference point, he was my number five, uh, Genji. Number five. Wow. My number four. I have one ahead of him, and this is not a class I found especially effective at first. I thought he was very boring, just looking at his kit. I, I didn't. Yes. He, he, he seems that way, but he's 
very effective. Um, a real jack-of-all-trades type of hero, and it's Soldier 76. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got that decent utility with the biotic field heal, um, which heals all allies within the radius. Um, it, it heals at 35 health per second for 5 seconds, which that heal is just its slightly less than Lucio's amplified heal, for a point of reference. Um, sprint, the sprint ability provides some real nice mobility, no cooldown. Um, the only drawback being you can't use any of your abilities while in sprint, so you can't really be sprinting and shooting at people. That might be a little broken. Um, it's Helix Rockets. It's essentially a Pharah Rocket on an 8-second cooldown. It's pretty nice. Nice burst damage. Um, tactical Advisor ability is pretty cool. It's you know, essentially an aimbot. It makes it so you can't miss if a target's in front of you. So, um, it much much better for weaker players, should I say, those who tend to miss a lot more than the pro players, but still <laughs> something nice. Um, however, the main selling point for me, after doing some research, that standard fire DPS of his, it's, it's pretty incredible. His primary rifle attack can do a possible uh, 170 damage per second. One of the highest DPS averages of all classes, and he can do it from any range. Short, medium, long, very consistent, highly accurate, plays a lot plays very similar to kind of like the Riflers in CSGO, you know, the AKM4, those kind of things. Um, yeah, he's just a great jack-of-all-trades type hero, and he's my, he's my number four in the competitive meta. Yeah, I we actually agreed on this one then. It's uh, he definitely he was my number four as well. Fit right in there, and you know, a lot of obviously a lot of same reasons as you're saying. He kind of is that jack of all trades. He's he is that solo potential, kind of like a Genji, but lacking the mobility for sure. Obviously, he has a sprint, but as far as the wall climbing goes and everything, yeah. he definitely doesn't really stand up to Genji in that sense. So um, the the biotic field though it really does allow him to kind of be his own hero even kind of doing his own missions you could even say uh, to an extent and the tactical visor it is it's it's I mean it's, it's fun it's it's just one of those that's like everyone wants to be able to aim bot but majority don't want to be, get caught by you know getting for hacking by any means in other games but th- this allows you to do that and and it's really and it's it's really in fact I'm kind of reading it over it now um. The reload time is greatly reduced. So there's, I swear to God, I don't know if you get the same feeling, but I swear you're able to fire so many more bullets when you have his ultimate up. Yeah. Than like a normal sequence. So is that is that how it works? I believe it brings his reload time down to 0.5 seconds. Okay, so that that's the big thing then. Okay, so the reload is just like almost instant then. Yes. And yes. that's why it feels like you could just I could just hold down my left click and it just keeps going forever. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I, it doesn't increase your rate of fire or anything. I don't believe, but yeah, it does. Yeah. It does make reloading real quick. Helix rockets are definitely fun too, man. It's it, it's it's so good for obviously you know getting kills on on these really squishies like a tracer or something like that, but yeah, helping to really weaken you know the bastions or whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah looking at these tiers that that we have here, I mean it, it is really interesting that I mean I, I think it even helps to go to show that Blizzard really did do a pretty good job as far as when it came to their initial balance here of the game and nothing was was too over the top. I mean they, they obviously yeah they had some of those instances, but they made some quick tweaks to them and kind of toned things down a little bit, but. Um, it's it's overall it's pretty cool to see how these uh, how they kind of vary and uh, it is tough it is tough like like I'm not saying McCree's a bad hero because I have him at five it's just I happen to believe that these others are just a little bit better in in some ways so which is just fine yeah different opinions uh, so so you have McCree at five um, how about your number six who is your number six <laughs> I think uh, I think we have the same if I'm not mistaken yeah because uh, good old Tracer has not been talked about yet your favorite See, my, yeah no not <laughs> at all in fact Tracer is probably my most despised hero in the game uh, other than a good Widowmaker it's just it's just really annoying actually other than a good Mai I freaking hate Mai. Man, so annoying. Man, is that that, that tough? Just kind of coming around a corner, finding yeah. a mile, like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> I'm God, dead. The slow, the wall. She just has everything that's just built to be annoying. Anyways, uh, I'll get to that later. But Tracer, yeah, it, I personally, I come from a history of again, Team Fortress. I, I, I hated playing against scouts, especially good ones. So this is a very similar idea. Just all about the speed and the constant moving around. Um, I will say I respect the hell out of players that play her well. In fact, I was looking for the tailspin video. Um, it turns out that it was actually uh, what's his name, Kudo Chop. I don't know, I don't know if you sound familiar to you. He plays with Seagull quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, I think he's even on his team for some tournaments. But holy crap, this guy's this guy's been one of the most amazing players to watch so far in Overwatch. Not only does he have, he has a 33 kill streak on Tracer in this video, which is freaking awesome, but on top of that, he actually he's the most insane sniper in the game. And I'm calling it right now. He's going to be known as one of the best Widowmakers slash uh, Hanzos in uh, in Overwatch moving forward. Kudo chop. Remember that name. Anyways, Tracer. Yeah, it's in good hands. She's a lot of fun to watch. I will say that because again, I, and I respect people that play her well. Um, and being six again, it's a case of she's not bad, and I could see where the mode right now just isn't made for her. Capture the flag. Some other mode that may come, then we may see her rise. But this mode of attack defend, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, you know, it, it's weird because I, you're right. J when you saw that Tracer player and you, when you see a really good Tracer player, it kind of speaks to just how good that player is because essentially right now with her kit, she is all mobility. She is all ceiling. She is all player skill. I mean, her kit, 150 HP, 150 HP pool, lowest in the game. Um, one shotable by several classes that you know have damage amp or or if she has orbit discord buff. Um, given the nature of her attacks, like we had mentioned last week in the podcast with armor HP, um, you can't really attack tanks that have a high amount of armor HP as your your damage is significantly cut down. Um, her damage at medium to long distances is pretty bad. She has to be played in a in a style similar to Reaper as that flanking DPS role. Yet she doesn't have the same kind of uh, cool kit that he has where, you know, he has 100 more health. He's got an, a, a vulnerability ability. Um, he, she doesn't even do as much burst damage up front. She only does 240 to a, a Reaper's possible 280. Um, it's, it's basically all comes down to the mobility, the recall mobility, the ability, and the blink, which that's that's the X factor. No, it, it's, it's going to make her look either really bad or really good depending on whose hands they are in. And mm. I think that's the one thing that I struggle with is I, I, I put her at six on my list that, and, and agreeing with you, but it feels like she could very easily move up to as high as number three, number two sometimes because I see certain players playing her, and it's like, how, how what do you do to deal with this? <laughs> well, she's also somewhat... I wouldn't say counter necessarily to a couple of these heroes, but she is more powerful. And this is where, again, it's this, we're talking about like overall, but in specific scenarios, I think if there's like a Torborn or a Bastion, these really standstill heroes that want to kind of just stay in one spot, especially a Bastion uh, when he's in that sentry form. Uh, Tracer is one of the better ones, which she has her ultimate up at least. You know, the idea that she can quickly get behind somebody like the Bastion and then quickly kill them as a result. So there are those instances where, yeah, she is very, very relevant. And for for that, you know, we could possibly see her. Just because we have her both on that six doesn't mean we're not going to see her ever in competitive play. But, um, but yeah, as far as the overall big picture, I think it just makes sense to keep her there. But, again, that is pending, too, on whatever this new game mode is. And if it's something like a capture the flag or where oh, speed boy. is no doubt going to be a big deal, then she'll shoot up, I'm sure, Oh yeah. as far as being useful. So If it's a capture the flag mode, number one, probably, <laughs> it's probably almost very, stable, right? possible yeah again it depends on like, like they mentioned it they the what's holding them back from casual flag is, is a little bit couple of boundaries with people like tracer because yeah in that sense it might be a little too strong but i i don't think it would be like again you think of team fortress like they've had scouts are able to do basically both in classic and team fortress 2 are able to do what they are always always to, able to do so i, yeah. I don't I, I wouldn't see it being a huge issue in the end but yeah as long as you make choke points i think it should be fine yeah exactly yeah Okay, well, enough Tracer love for the time being. Um, number seven. I, I'm not quite sure what your number seven is. Mine is Widowmaker. So uh, she started out in the beta much higher than her current position. But if there was one hero to take um, take a tumble down the tier list due to nerfs, it has to be her. Um, the first nerf was her scope shot damage. It was reduced from 170 to 150. And it now consumes three bullets instead of one, so it forces you to reload more often. However, the indirect nerf that many people didn't recognize, it was the nerf to Mercy's damage amp. So previously, with the 50% buff, 
Even at 150 damage, Widow could deal over 200 damage per second, which is a one-shot ability to the vast majority of heroes without an armor or shield HP buff. Now that Mercy's damage is only 30%, it brings that amp damage shot down to 195. So you can no longer one-shot the majority of classes in Overwatch. Take that to two shots, which any of you familiar with CSGO, stuff like that... Um, there's a big difference between the scout and the op, <laughs> and everyone pretty much knows that. Um, she still has some, you know, pretty nice things included in her kit as well. She can do pretty high DPS and short range with her assault rifle, about 130 possible damage per second. Uh, the grappling hook, the venom mine, uh, nice way to ascend to spots a lot of players can't get to normally. And the venom mine actually has a tracking ability to go along with it, which I think is the primary purpose that a lot of people don't recognize. It's the DPS is kind of it's not it's okay, but it's nothing to really get all excited about. It just it, it prevents people from sneaking up on you. Um, I think the one aspect of her though that really keeps her at least somewhat in play in the competitive made right now, that Infrasight Ultimate, which it gives you, it, it essentially gives your wall, your whole team wall hacks for mm -hmm. an entire 20 seconds. That's a long time. Fantastic for holding points that have multiple angles that the opposing team can attack from. Really helps you anticipate your shots. Um, but yeah, overall, it, I... Don't anticipate her. I don't anticipate her finding a normal spot in competitive matches, given the recent nerfs. But I don't think she's completely out of the meta either, as well. So I'm not gonna lie. I did not realize we were including defense in this as well. Oh, I was under the impression we were just doing offense. It, because when we were talking about damage, I mean that, that's what I was thinking. Offense here. So, uh, okay. So you wait. So, but that's that's curious to me. Your 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 top your list for damage. So you consider defense and offense all damage essentially. That that, that was the point here. Well, I, I guess it really depends because you're right. Playing Widowmaker on offense is significantly worse than playing her on defense. Um, but yeah, I kind of considered it. It's defensive DPS. That's kind of what my thought process was. Okay. Well, because yeah, with the uh, with how they sort it in the game, mm -hmm. I believe that like that, that Widowmaker's under what's called I think it's even defense, defense if I'm not mistaken. So yes, you are correct yeah. with other players with other classes like Junkrat, okay. May. Uh, so with all these in mind, you actually st you still had all these offensive characters as your top six. Mm -hmm. That's actually extra interesting to me. Then so people like so wait, were we supposed to include like Junkrat, Hanzo, Bastion, all these guys? Correct. Oh, wow. That's how I have my list. Okay. Well, then. That, uh, you know what? And the more I'm thinking about it. See, okay. If that's the case, I still like the offense list that I, I still like the top six that I had. Mm -hmm. But, boy, I would have to really think about putting Junkrat up there. Really? I, lo I love Junkrat, man. He, I, I he love is... me Junkrat, too, but... <laughs> Actually, okay, maybe, maybe this will be. I don't know. Yeah, from from a from a competitive value, maybe not as much, but I don't know though. Like he, he has some of the most intense damage in the game. I think there's no doubt in that with his uh, with his frag launcher and of course his uh, well his ultimate for that matter. But uh, the concussion mine's a great. It's a fun ability, especially for mobility purposes. It's great for that to be able to. It's almost like a rocket jump from other games, and that's you know in most cases that's what you will be using it for. If anything is a getaway tool, so the steel trap can be great against heroes like Tracer and all these very mobile heroes that want to try to get up on you and and jump you. So um, and then even the idea of when he dies, you know, leaving those bombs behind is actually kind of fun too. But um, I, I, so if we're, if we're including all these, again, I'm not saying that he would be in my top six, I guess, but, you know, I'll put, I'll put him seven then. I'll put him seven, seven if that's the case. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I love me some Junkrat. So my, he's my favorite hero. Um, I, I love playing him. Um, but I, I think I have to kind of create a separation in when it comes to public games and it comes to competitive games. So a lot of cool mechanics. Like you mentioned, the traps. When you can double stack the traps in certain spots around corners, you can actually catch them. And when you hit the when you hit the mine, it does 200 damage total between the two traps. One shots basically uh, the majority of classes in the game. It's so cool. I love it. Um, frag grenades, like you said, deal a ton of splash damage. Uh, a max of 120 with a direct hit on a grenade uh, can be great at point control. And the rip tire, um, the rip tire is fun to use. However, I I, I question the ability to really make use of it in a competitive sense. 
because the Riptire only has 50 HP. Um, and it, it basically <laughs> sounds, it's, it's got a horn on it for some reason. The Riptire has yeah. a horn on it, alerting enemies where it's coming from at all times. So it's pretty easy just to take down and not really hit anybody unless you're really able to sneak, sneak up on them. Um, the, the big point I have at which Junkrat, it kind of falls behind in the competitive meta is right now he's a non-mobile Pharah. And Farah, I think, really kind of is on that top tier because of the combination of the two. With Junkrat being simply land only, um, he, he can jump up in the air and such, but he still has to deal his damage on the ground up front. Um, when you can't deal non-lethal damage without multiple hits, or at least multiple direct hits, I feel it really aids uh, the opponents in building up their ultimate. Um, because as you, if you take damage and you heal that damage... Um, the entire opposing team collectively gains percentage points towards their ultimate, allowing them to um, at least much better defend points quicker or take points quicker. And Junkrat's really good at that, just kind of just kind of feeding them that damage that really doesn't um, it pushes them. It might you know prevent them from pushing forward and engaging you, but it doesn't kill them. And I I think that's the point that I have that is so difficult to to kind of play him as you know real high in that or place him real high in that competitive meta uh tier list yeah you know pharaoh definitely has that advantage over him for a lot of reasons there but you know maybe it is a bit of my bias i mean i do demo man was my go-to class in both team fortress classic and team fortress 2 but uh the concussion mind the separation that he can cause too with say some passion and his teammates when he has that shield up the concussion mind throw that in there you know in that right spot you kind of split them up it could be great for that purpose of positioning and knocking things out knocking people off points so yeah i mean i i will say this i i that's going to be interesting to see where he especially fits in said competitive scene in in the meta the ultimate Yes, I do agree. As fun and entertaining it is, the fact that it basically is letting everyone know, hey guys, <laughs> I'm about to kill you, you might want to start running, it's pretty ridiculous, and that it can be destroyed. So, um, yeah, you gotta be you got to be sneaky with it, I'll say that. I mean, I, I found myself over time playing him. you got you got to really get in these, these nooks here when you want to use the ultimate and then kind of come from a random spot. But um, I, wa- I want to actually go to Widow. So you had Widowmaker 7 on your list. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious, did you have Hanzo by chance, like, right below her then? Uh, no, I have him at 10. Wow, you have him all the way down there, really. Yeah. I think there's argument to be made that, individually, I think Hanzo's even the better character than Widowmaker, when it comes to even the, the, filling that sniper role. Uh, one of the bigger things, the mobility that he has, I mean, yes, Widowmaker does have that, uh, whatever it's even called, the chain pole, the grapple, grappling I guess. Hook. Yes. Grappling hook, yeah. Um... But the ability to wall walk, obviously, with Hanzo is kind of something that's, you know, it's always up. So it definitely gives him a slight advantage over the mobility factor. Scatter Arrow is a fantastic ability. And it, and it actually, it, it's, that, that's where I think the bigger difference is between him and, like, Widowmaker, sure, her ultimates are going to be one of the better in the game. Like, so that in itself, yeah, I see the argument to be made that maybe she should be slightly higher than Hanzo. But at the same time, Hanzo, his whole skill set's, overall better than Widowmaker, because literally all she has is just the snipe shot. Her her, her uh, auto cannon, whatever that's called, it's not going to really be something that you're relying on in her poison trap, you know, what 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 the hell is even that? So, uh, the Venom Mine. So, in my opinion, Hanzo, and again, I, I go back to actually watching this Kudo Chop player, <laughs> giving him some more shout-outs. He actually prefers Hanzo over Widowmaker, and again, it is just amazing to watch him uh, play this character especially too so um i think yes widowmaker having that ultimate may be the slight edge because of that but man individually as far as getting you kills i i think you can argue hanzo's going to get you the better kills the more kills even yeah i can see that it definitely you, you've brought up a great point on that scatter arrow it's so it's so underutilized right now it's actually um i believe the highest damage ability in the game um 450 max damage possibility. Uh, it shoots, is it, I believe it's six arrows? Six arrows, yes. Um, yeah. and, and it bounces, so you do it in close spaces and it bounces around. However, if you just simply shoot it at the person's feet, at the person's feet, excuse me, right in front of them, I'll go up straight in front of them, 450 damage, you're going to kill mm-hmm. just about anybody with that thing. Um, I think the, 
I think the issue for me comes down to, I, I view Widowmaker and Hanzo's damage equatable. Um, he is better in small engagements, so I, I will say that. Um, I think the ultimate is what gets me, and it's just, it, it's it's not bad, but it doesn't, I don't think it reaches the level of significance in terms of a team play type yeah. of ultimate that Widowmaker can bring with that Infrasight. It, it does damage, it does, I think it's 200 DPS a second if you're uh, standing in it, but y- you can see it coming, and it's pretty easy to move out of, whereas... It's, a, it's the best tool in the game to kill a Taborn Sentry, I will say Yes, that. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, How's that going for him? Uh, well, I guess we can hope that Torbjorn gets some buffs and we get in the meta, make Hanzo more relevant. Yeah, there you go. Definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he is... Um, he's not too far down. He's like he's my number 10. He, he's definitely a cut above my bottom two, but... Um, okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so it sounds like we have very similar bottom two, I'm sure, but uh, my would probably be next to talk about. Yes. Number okay. eight. Number eight for me. Well, I have her number ten. Again, I, I kind of did oh, things a little okay. bit differently. I had Junkrat at seven, Hanzo at eight, Widowmaker was my number nine, actually, and then my May. Is it May? I've always called May, it my. May. M-E-I. M-E-I. Uh, I'm assuming my. I think my. But let's go with my. I'm sure someone. I'm sure someone on Reddit will tomorrow come in and say you're an idiot. It's May. This is where you went wrong. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we we have her at number ten. Then we both agree there. Um, Arguably the most annoying. I know it's mentioned with Tracer and Genji, but you know, for if we're making the most annoying heroes play against list, she would be top. Like I wouldn't even have to really think about that much. Her whole skill set screams, "I'm going to be annoying for you." deal with it <laughs> exactly it that's really my insight that, it's fantastic insight i will say that it, it's and it's spot on too because it's the one hero if you're a flanking dps class you're really trying to get behind a team um or even if you're a tank just trying to really lead the engagement just coming in front of a mai and knowing that it's like oh gosh i'm gonna be stunned here in two seconds not gonna be able to move i'm just gonna <laughs> get blown up and then nothing i can do about it um that and I don't know. Like in terms of annoying, yes, she she's really annoying. I just think the kit all around for her is not all that great. Her alternate fire, the icicle, um, seventy-five damage shot from range. She's really not all that great. Um, she has the invulnerability, which can be nice. It's a four-second invulnerability, uh, twelve-second cooldown. Um, let me get your opinion on this. What do you think of the ult? It, personally, it it feels a little. It feels it, not bad, but a little underwhelming. Well, it's it's the idea that it's one of those, and, and a lot of these that we're kind of getting at, it's like, it's almost not obvious it's coming, but when it happens, you do have a little bit of time to react. And a lot of these characters with that mobility, they'll be using that, like the Tracer, obviously, the Genji, you know, all these characters, any character that has some kind of mobility, quick kind of getaway, which a lot of the in the game do, they're going to be using that, and ultimately it could fail because of that, so... I mean, I think it has potential to be pretty good with that say, you know, the, the lack of mobility characters slash, again, that wombo combo potential, sure, but um, yeah, it's kind of an in-between. It's not the worst ultimate ever, but it's it's definitely not, like, the best one. I think it's I think it's in the, medium, in the middle yeah. there. Yeah, I don't know, it just kind of feels like, if you had to choose between the two, uh, you know, if you're picking simply for the ultimate Zarya or Mai, is it even a discussion? Oh, no, if you're... If you're <laughs> I don't know what the scenario would ever be yeah. <laughs> picking between those two characters, but yeah, Zarya absolutely you have to go with her for sure. Yeah. You know, it's just you know stacking your opponents, having it being an immediate effect and not kind of a you know like over time kind of thing build up. It, it just I don't know. The one thing I will say is looking at some of these maps. What do you think of that ice wall? Because I can look at um, several maps and I and I think to myself, especially on point captures. Um, to where the big avenue is just, it's mostly one avenue, um, to the point, that wall, it, it can be really disrupting as far as, like, when you're trying to, uh, get the most out of, like, say, a Lucio ult, lead in with a Lucio ult, or doing something of the such to where, or you get a good Mercy res and you're trying to press a point, just putting that wall in front, um, it's basically invulnerable. I know you can do damage to it, and I don't have the, the HP number on hand, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. But it's a lot. It's almost oh, yeah. always going to go the full duration. And it kind of made me wonder about a double my lineup just to 
just to mess with people and see like just how how well you could do just with simple you know uh, block mechanics. Oh yeah, I mean you could argue yeah, getting a double my on defense at the beginning of certain payload maps. Uh, yeah, just having one at each point uh, coming out point at least at certain choke points and. Kind of try to keep them at bay at least for a little bit there. I don't know if that ultimately be very useful, but yeah. uh, it's it, yeah. There is nothing more you know tragic feeling when you're on offense and you, you kind of yeah. As Lucio, as you're mentioning, uh, you use your your boost, you use your ultimate as you're going in, and all of a sudden just this wall just pops up, and it's like, well, we have to sit here now for however long it is, and then let it uh, run its course. So yeah, it goes back to she's just she's just a pure annoyance. She she really is pure defense. I think we could safely say I agree. you're not you're not going to see her on offense really at all. Uh, I w- I will say, you know, give her a little bit of credit. She has potential for some okay damage. Since we are talking about damage tier list here, I mean it is okay, but it's that's not why you're picking this hero. You're picking this hero for the crowd control, the slow, the freeze, and the wall. Um, I, I will when when this was first announced again, she was one of the three her diva and Gen- Genji at this last BlizzCon. Hmm. The wall when that was showing, I, I I like a lot of people. I'm sure were just like, oh, that's going to be really cool to see how people use that, and you know, with all these ideas. But so far, we really haven't. I don't know. I at least haven't really seen much craziness with it the idea that you can like boost like a bastion up somewhere it's like well why would i want to do that uh, so <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know it's it, it's kind of weird for me so yeah, yeah. It, it looked like one of the most interesting spells at blizzcon it was it was kind of cool just you know the things of elevating elevating other players seemed okay but i don't know in practice it doesn't doesn't seem all that uh effective should i say mm-hmm but anyway, um, I had her as my number eight, and you said number ten. Number ten for me, yeah. Again, we're talking damage here, man. You got a number eight? Who'd you have behind her? I had Junkrat at nine. God, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Junkrat at nine. I, it hurts me too. Trust me. It, I, I play a ton of Junkrat. I love them in pubs, but uh, just from a competitive standpoint, it's. I, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. You gotta be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> uh, number ten uh, was my Hanzo, and okay. I, I guess that that brings us down to, um, you know, there, there's one in front of the other. But I, it, does it really matter? <laughs> does it really? Yeah. Does it really matter? Where you I, put one? I don't think. I will so. say I'm more disappointed in one than the other. I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. Uh, so, who is your number eleven? Well, my my number eleven had to be Bastion. I've actually put him in number 11, then Torborn, Torbjorn at uh, number 12 right there. So, And the one I'm disappointed in being number 12 is Torbjorn. It's, I actually played a little bit of Engineer again. <laughs> Go back to my old days here at T-Force Classic. I played a little bit of Engineer. I, I consider that my secondary class even at that time. I was really excited to kind of get a feel for this guy. And... It's just, it's just not the same. Like the 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 impact of the sentry gun, it's just not there. It's so easy to kill. It feels like in most cases, but I think the bigger issue is that it's so hard to get it to level three, where it's actually pretty like a lot of kill potential. But if if we're talking competitive play, if we're talking good players and good communication, there's no way that sentry is getting to level three in most cases. So that's like his biggest fall in the end and without the without a century it's like hero might not might as well not exist <laughs> and and, deal. and really even in reality compared to like the tf2 engineer the turret itself just it feels underwhelming um max dps 126 126 damage per second doesn't feel all that great doesn't feel like this kind of this boisterous turret that you really have to avoid um it kind of just seems like, well, can someone, can we get, you know, a fair to fire up at that thing real quick and then we'll move back in? <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of that has to do with, it it's almost feels a little harder for a Torbjorn to kind of sit behind it and, and heal it up even, where compared to, again, the, the Team Fortress way, whether it's just he does less healing on the sentry per hit or it's just the hitboxes are different. I don't know what it is, but it, it just, again, it feels less oh, less uh, good as you're kind of getting as far as the damage output especially. Yeah. And and then and then it's like, and then so on top of that, his um, his auto attack is, is god-awful. Yes. Um, it's probably one of the worst in the game. I, I, you're, you're the numbers guy. I don't know if you have numbers on that, but... 110 DPS for uh, for his main attack, and his charge shot is 100 DPS. Okay. 
So, so I mean, this it, is not it, bad. It's not terrible, but seems bad. It's it's on the low side. Uh, I will say yeah. that it's on the low side. Now, this is where there's a little bit of relevant the armor packs. I mean, that's a pretty clever idea, and like that's where it, you could argue there is some value for getting this hero, maybe in competitive, but. That's a really big stretch. Like that, the armor pack would have to be buffed up. It's almost like the armor pack would have to become his main thing. Like the turret would have to be downscaled to not being that great. But his armor packs like give you like 150 armor or something like that. I'm, I'm, it's a good thing I don't balance, but <laughs> you, you get that idea, right? Like that would need to be his focus instead. So um, it's just kind of like, oh well, that's cool, but it's not enough. And then it's ultimate. It's all I found the ultimate good for is just sitting there leveling up the gun and keeping it alive. I agree. <laughs> that's like the only point. So and it gives you and it and it finally gives you an opportunity to drop some of those armor packs. As I'm never I'm never able to walk around and collect up um, scraps. I'm just never able to. It, I'm I'm such in a stationary point trying to you know kind of like double up the DPS between me and the turret, trying to you know keep it up and people shoot at it. Um, it doesn't seem like I never can get an armor pack out because I'm not killing enough people. I'm, I'm not getting enough assists or eliminations to really kind of be able to drop those. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And again, that's where that kind of difference comes into play again with the Team Fortress Engineer where they just got those ammo packs they pick up where if you're... And for that matter, they also have those dispensers. I was mentioning that to you. The dispensers that the engine can build in Team Fortress where not only is it, you know, dispensers that delivers ammunition, which, again, that's where the mechanics are a little bit different, but it gave uh, the ability also to, to the engineer to have something that he could detonate and also use as a barricade even in some ways. But then if somebody happens to be close to it, uh, he just blows it up and it does a crap ton of damage. So, you know, there's like really cool features to the NG that Torborn just doesn't really have, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I really liked Engineer in Team Fortress. I, I didn't play a lot of Team Fortress, but when I did, I, Engineer was always one of my one of my guys. I liked playing him. Yeah, he's definitely it's a fun guy to play. And again, I think that's so it's like both you and I. It's, and I'm sure a lot of cases, it's like it's it's just sad because this yeah. this hero had a lot of potential to be really cool. But I will say it's it's there's nothing more hilarious on the final plays of the game when it's a sentry turret killing <laughs> yeah. like four people running into the capture point. It's it's like it's just you see the engine there like falling off the map or something like that, dying himself. Yes. Yet he gets the top play because of his sentry. I love I love that. It was I think it was a gif on. Of a, a Torbjorn being knocked off the map while the turret <laughs> out of sight gets three kills, and all you see is the Torbjorn falling to his death. It's hilarious, yeah. So he, he's got that going for him. He's he makes for the more entertaining top plays. Yes. All right, so I guess that leaves one to cover. Um, you know, a favorite among newer players, I will say that, and can be a lot of fun in public games, especially. If you're going against some opponents who are newer at the game and aren't quite familiar with, you know, all the heroes and the different game mechanics and such, uh, Bastion, um, Sentry Mode DPS, oh boy, 450 damage max per second, um, 1,000 damage Kono Shield. If you, you know, basically just place yourself up against the wall and you're not uh, essentially invulnerable, but it's pretty close. It's real hard to take you down from a distance. Um, it has that self-heal, no cooldown, so you can kind of be topped off in any mode you're in. Decent, close-range DPS when, you know, he's out of sentry mode, 160 damage per second, but uh, pretty highly inaccurate, I will say. Uh, the tank ultimate, pretty fun. Um, throws up an additional 150 armor HP, the ability to be mobile while, you know, doing that high damage, 190 damage per shot. But, um, you know, like I'm sure you know, it's in, in games like this, and especially in Overwatch, um, movement, mobility, that is that is the ultimate factor when it comes to playing games like this. And when you're playing in a competitive mode um, against players who are very familiar with the game and playing it at a very high level, you can't stay in one spot. They're just going to run circles around you. Um, just go to different portions of the map, um, get behind you with a, a flanking DPS class, take you down pretty quick. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong, he's very fun to play in public games, and, you know, not every hero has to be balanced around competitive play, but yeah. if, we're, if we're looking at bashing the competitive meta, he's just not fit for it, at least with his current kit right now. The only time I could see like a situation is that for whatever reason it's like a race to the finish and it's very close to the end. And you just all spawn a bash and you just go mm -hmm. in the 
the the form and you just still sit there you know just doing that much don't give them time to you know think about how we're gonna kill these guys and just use that as your way of defense so you know maybe that but no if this list was for solo qtmm as far as you know in just the uh, q and matchmaking and i think you could argue passions is one of the stronger damage in the game because yeah people just don't know how to deal with them and when they're not working together. But when you start working together, when you start working as a team, when you start playing competitive, then, yeah, it just goes completely downhill. So not much more to be said there. I mean, that's just really what it is. He, he is. He can be frustrating when, again, people aren't really on the same page to kill him. But in a lot of ways, he's just kind of a fun pub stomp hero. Yeah. Yeah, one of the more interesting so. things um, on the map, Hollywood, have you ever seen the, the Bastion players get up on that elevator at the first capture point? And kind of, uh, I guess, I get themselves a little bit of mobility just going up and down the elevator. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I've actually had to face that, but I guess, I guess we have idea. a little bit of that using clever game mechanics. But yeah, well, like I said, with the, the my wall, like you get him up on like a roof or something like that. Oh, then that's a good point. <laughs> you know? Fire rain down on everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I think that'll do it, everybody. Um, quite a contact pack, uh, content pack show. Excuse me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna mess this up on the end just to. Really rounded out. Good finish. <laughs> Good finish. We don't want to keep you around too much longer. Thank you guys for checking out the show. You know, leaving all the supportive messages on Reddit, Twitter, and the such. You're all. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, we're still in the process of getting this up to as many avenues as we can for you to listen to this. You know, whether you want to listen in podcast form, you want to check it out on YouTube. Um, no visual element to, as, as a, at the moment, but we'll we'll discuss that later. We're working on it. We're, yeah, working, we're working on, on it. it. All know, right. We're working on we're it. We're just looking mainly to get the content out to you guys as quickly as possible, and we'll we'll handle everything else as we can get to it. But just know that we are getting to it. So for Nick, who you can find on Twitter at BreakyCPK, I'm Heath Kruger at Carthac on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>